Hello everyone, welcome to Strictly Money, where finance and your prosperity meet. I'm Sajal Patel. If you own a home or an automobile, you know that you are mandated to get insurance. It's not optional, it's not nice to have, but it doesn't mean it's cheap either. In fact, in 2023, cost rose. And hate to be a bearer of bad news, but they're going even higher in 2024. So how do you manage costs while at the same time ensuring that you have the right coverage? My guest for today's show is Matt Hans. Matt is the Vice President of Insurance at RateHub.ca, and he's joining me right now with his advice, as well as some of the insurance trends that you need to pay attention to. Hey, Matt, thanks for joining Strictly Money. It's great to have you on. Oh, thanks for having me back. I appreciate it. So it's it's great to have you on. It's not so great knowing that insurance costs, at least for home and auto, are going up probably next year. Because Matt, you know, 2023 was a tough year for, for a lot of people. Food costs were higher. Gas prices were higher. For some, um, mortgage costs and, and rent costs were higher. And we know when it comes to home and auto insurance, um, it's not an, an option to opt out, right? You, you actually have to have it. Do you have a sense of just how much insurance has gone up in the past year, home end and auto? That Yeah, that's the hard part to say across the board. It's not an easy answer because insurance is so individualistic and it varies by region, territory, vehicle, postal code. There's so much that goes into it, but everybody felt it is what I can say is that in various parts across the country, there was like consistent. I looked at the uh, like the pricing index. You could see inflation month over month, year over year. It was always going up. Now, various levels, it wasn't always that every month was the same increase. But if you look compared it to 2022, every month in 2023 for both home and auto insurance was an increase. Yeah, I saw that. It was sometimes 4% or 5% or 7% just comparing year over year. So yeah, certainly a lot of people were feeling the pain. Let's talk about home insurance then. What were the reasons behind the increase? Was it just because people were putting in a lot more claims or was it because prices of homes are going up and the premiums have to reflect that or you know, a combination or something else? Yeah, so it's a few factors. It's not quite the cost of homes. It's the cost to rebuild homes because what you're insuring is the actual rebuild cost, the materials. And, and as those cost more because the cost of materials is going up, I think it was something around, just if you look at the cost of repairs of a home, it was about 4% ish year over year. So that's going to impact just the rebuild cost. So if that goes up, obviously insurance is going to reflect that. But it's a lot of other factors. And really it comes down to the volume of claims being submitted. And that and that really has been driven by, I mean, we want to say 100% is climate change, but a lot of climate related activities, we can say, you know, we saw tons of wildfires, everybody was feeling it, whether they were directly or not. I mean, our quality of air was affected across Canada. Um, we saw lots of flooding out east, especially. So every part of the country seems to be being impacted by the, these increasing climatic events that used to be one in 100 years. And now it's, a, you know, it's an annual occurrence now to various degrees. You know, the, the government's not quite calling fires yet predictable like they are in California where it's become, okay, we have insurance companies pulling out of the market because the fires and the issues out in California are so bad that they, they can tell it's going to happen every year. It's not that bad in Canada, but it is becoming more of an issue. And therefore, we're, we're seeing our, our prices of home insurance just rise dramatically as like we talked about the cost to repair the homes or just the fact that the volume of the claims is so much, you know, it's billions of dollars each year. I'm glad you mentioned that because uh, Matt, I was looking at this climate change, um, natural disasters, and this is 
the Insurance Bureau of Canada, they said that 2022 marked the third highest year for insured damage because of these weather-related incidents, $3.1 billion. And they were saying how Ontario alone, it was $340 million in damages just because of summer storms. And I know they haven't calculated the 2023 figure yet, but they're saying that it's it's not going to be much better. No, it, it could be higher. I mean, once we tabulate the Kelowna damage, the, the the flooding out east, and then just, I mean, Alberta felt like it was having something happen almost every month. There was tornadoes, wildfires, flooding. And then even in Ontario, there was, there's, I'm sure there, there is a level of damage, but um, everybody's feeling it. It's not isolated to one province anymore. It always felt like, okay, something's happening out west, Ontario or Quebec is fine. It feels like it's happening everywhere. So everybody's feeling it. And insurance companies that are insuring it across Canada, obviously they're feeling it even more so. So if, you, if they're providing insurance in all provinces, they're being hammered with claims. It's not an answer that Canadians like to hear that, oh, insurance companies paying out money, which why we get insurance. We, we get insurance so that we can have that coverage when we need it. The unfortunate side of things is that when it's happening at this level of volume, insurance companies need to figure out how to recuperate the losses in order to continue to operate at the levels they've been accustomed to. And that usually leads to increasing insurance prices. You know, Matt, something you mentioned flooding. Um, I thought this was interesting because I was looking on your website and it might come as a surprise to a lot of people is that they may find it difficult to obtain proper coverage against overland flooding. Yes, yes. And that's, uh, there's about 10% of Canada right now that's deemed uninsurable. And to be honest, that figure has been pulled from a few years ago, so it could even be higher. There's just, I don't have a recent stat. I think it was at least five or six years old now. So that stat's probably growing. And it's, you know, with rising water uh, levels and, and so on, it's just becoming harder and harder for insurance companies to say, we can insure you, you're, you're too much of a risk, this property is right on the edge, or it constantly floods, therefore we can't insure you. That's why the government stepped up, well, they're, they're working to step up, I should say, and they've, they've launched this thing called the National Flood Assistance Program. Now it's scheduled to launch in 2025, and the details still haven't fully come out. But the idea of this program is to help people get affordable flood insurance, especially the areas that are deemed uninsurable, because 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 nobody shouldn't be able to have some form of coverage because the cost of repairing after a flood, like a flooded basement, this is like $40,000, $50,000. These aren't cheap expenses. And being and asking someone to do this on their own, and I saw lots of news coverage, especially out east, of just people that didn't have home insurance coverage, couldn't get, or sorry, didn't have overland water insurance coverage, couldn't get it, and their homes were completely flooded. And it's up to them to repair or to live with the consequences. Right. And they weren't expecting these changes, oh, right? God, so you, no. you can't really blame <laughs> them. Yeah. So you are ratehub.ca thing prices, at least when it comes to home insurance, is going to go up. And I thought that was interesting because we have seen inflation come down. It's it's subsided a bit. So what are the trends? Like why is that going to happen? I think it's just still catching up to the to the volume of claims. It, it's nice to see that inflation is going down and the issues we had coming out of the pandemic with supply chain issues are largely being resolved, but we're still seeing costs go up. You know, cost of labor isn't going down. I mean, it, the cost of living is going up. Therefore, people need to make more money to, to you know, to afford the things like groceries or just even insurance as we're talking about, right? So um, the cost of labor isn't really decreasing and the volume of claims are still occurring. And like we even said, the cost of repairs were up 3.5 to 4% this year. So it's really a bunch of these trends that are kind of coming all together. But to me, the biggest issue really is the volume of claims and the comprehensive claims we're seeing that are related to weather-related incidents. Um, when we're talking about, you know, 3.1 billion last year and could be higher this year, that's just a significant amount of claims costs coming out. And then, like I said, insurance companies need to figure out how to balance and recuperate that, which unfortunately leads back to incre price increases to the consumer. 
So what should homeowners pay attention to? What they sh- should they be looking at? I assume that they should be relooking at their policy. Every year, evaluating, do we have the right coverage, the right level of coverage? Maybe they for- they in the past have chosen not to take on water coverage, you know, overland water, and they could still get it. It was just a personal choice at that time saying, oh, we've never had a flood. We shouldn't worry about it. That might be something you want to revisit given, you know, the type of weather we're experiencing the last few years, you know, not having overland water coverage if you can get it. It doesn't seem like the smartest choice of this time. And then first and foremost for everybody, it's shop around. It's it's re, it's not just looking at the policy and seeing if I have the right level of coverage. It's reevaluating an annual basis the price you're paying for car, for home insurance because it changes so much and not just by insurer level that what insurance companies are willing to insure on an annual basis. They may love you as a customer two years ago. You may be in a higher risk area now for them and they're not looking to, to give you the best pricing where somebody else in the market is more willing to take you on as a risk and offer a better price. So really it's up to the consumer to do a little bit of shopping each year, do a little bit to research, speak to brokers, use sites like RateHub selfishly and compare quotes online. I think it's just, it takes a little bit of time and could save you hundreds of dollars of a- annually. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Okay, Matt, we're going to take a quick break because I, I want to switch to auto insurance. Um, before we do, we're just going to hear from our sponsors. Are you looking to enhance the level of cash flow from your investments? BMO ETFs has you covered with their covered call ETFs. These ETFs generate cash flow from two sources, the dividend yield from the underlying securities and the premium generated from selling the call options. BMO covered call ETFs strike a balance between generating cash flow and participating in the growth of rising markets with your experienced portfolio management team and effective strategy with over 10 years of history. BMO ETFs is the largest covered call ETF provider in Canada, covering 13 covered call ETFs across a range of strategies across regions, countries, and sectors. Visit BMOETFs.com to learn more. Please read the ETF facts or prospectus of the BMO ETFs before investing. Welcome back. I'm here with uh, Matt Hans of RateHub.ca. Matt, let's talk about auto insurance. <laughs> this is one, especially when it comes to auto thefts, right? It, it gets me riled up. I think it gets a lot of people riled up because we're trying to do all the right things. And then, you know, some jerk or some gang comes along and, and steals the car and we're kind of all paying the price for it, even though I know it's just a car. But I think it's frustrating a lot of people. No, it, it's it feels very much out of your control in some respects. You know, the fact that you can no longer just feel like you can park your car in your own driveway without it being at risk. It's crazy times we're living in or going out even to the mall and just seeing how quickly people can steal your car. It's technology, really. We've made cars so technologically advanced and we made it so easy and comfortable for us to get in and out of our vehicles. We don't even need our keys sometimes. Our, our hands can unlock our vehicle. It honestly almost made it so easy now because they can use technology to now enter and steal vehicles just as quick. And the, and the, the money they can make by shipping them overseas is, is, is insane. So unfortunately, Canadians are now seeing unprecedented levels of theft. Um, previously, this was a big issue in Quebec. And now we're seeing it, you know, flow across country, especially in Ontario, has been a massive problem. And we've seen lots of news coverage throughout the year. And really, we're, we're, we're seeing that it's uh, it's causing the insurance industry to think outside the box. So in Quebec, they put this program called TAG, which it's a way of etching basically a tracking into your car. And it's really helped them reduce the levels of theft in that province. Ontario is now starting to adopt this. So we've seen it kind of slowly been integrated. And I suspect each carrier is going to adopt this. It just seems why not? The only reason why you couldn't have it on your vehicle vehicles if it's um, like a financed or leased vehicle because it voids the lease. They don't want anything etched in the vehicle. Um, but for your own personal vehicle, a lot of insurance companies
companies are mandating that you need to have TAG. Um, and that it comes with a discount, at least on your like comprehensive coverage for some insurers. I shouldn't say for everybody. But the, the interesting thing is they're now starting to put in surcharges if you chose not to get it. So, for example, if you said, no, I don't want to get tagged. I'm OK just seeing whatever. They go, that's fine. We think your vehicle is at risk now. So we're going to put a $500 surcharge on your policy because you forego, you know, getting tagged installed in your vehicle. So they're really trying to work with the consumer and you know, the government to try to figure out how to, to prevent theft. And this tag system seems to be optimistic because, like I said, there's a track record in Quebec that's showing, you know, positive uh, progress with curbing theft there. Yeah, I was going to ask you whether, you know, what's being done to mitigate this. I, <laughs> I know the Ontario government's trying to do some things. And, you know, Matt, I was having this conversation with, with someone not that long ago, and we were saying, you know, the automakers as well. But part of me thinks that they don't really have the incentive to fix these issues because at the end of the day, insurance pays for another, you know, 60 or $70,000 car. It is true. It just depends on what stance we take. So in the States, um, some auto insurers stopped insuring certain vehicles. I believe it was Hyundai's and Kia's, a lot of the Korean ones, because they were so easy and the volumes of theft were so high, they were saying, well, it's no, we're not going to take the risk anymore. We're just going to choose not. If you have a Hyundai, don't come to us. We're not going to insure you. Now, that hasn't really happened to the extent in Canada that I've heard of. I'm sure there's some vehicles that insurance companies might be, you know, they'll put pricing that makes it feel like that you don't want to get insurance with them because it's so high. But there hasn't been a hardline stance that I've seen, at least in Canada yet, where we're not insuring Hyundai's or we're not insuring Honda's. Could that happen? Yes. And I think that puts pressures on the, on the auto manufacturers to have to do something to combat it. I mean, theft is up 48%. I believe it was this year or last year. And it just continues to rise. It's crazy when you think about it. And it feels like it used to be like a thing back in the day that, oh, you may know a friend of a friend of a friend that got had a vehicle stolen. It feels like it's like one degree of separation now that you may know somebody that's had an auto theft. And it's crazy to think that we're in that type of time. The only other thing that really is the, the government's now trying to, to invest here. I think they're, they're putting a level of money. I, I think it's uh, 21 or something like $10 billion or something like that. The number is escaping me right now. I don't want to give the wrong, but the government is trying to put this thing called like preventing auto thefts or PAT. They put together this program and they're investing in 21 various projects to help reduce the levels of theft in Ontario. I mean, we'll see to what extent it really has. I mean, to me, the tag system and then things that consumers can do themselves, like, you know, parking in, in areas that either are protected, like if you own a garage, making sure your vehicle is put in the garage. There are things like a lot of people can steal your signal if you have like a, like a digital key fob. So they, they're saying like you can get Faraday boxes or like basically iron lock boxes and that blocks the signal. I mean, we've seen people so far, I've seen in Toronto where people putting up posts behind their vehicle when they park it in the driveway so no one can come in. And then even they're saying things like the club or yeah, the club. Yeah, that's what it was, which was like an 80s thing, a 90s thing. It's coming back because if a theft or, or sorry, a, a thief seals it. They think it's too much effort to get around it. So really just making it inconvenient for the thieves right now is what really is helping because there are so many vehicles they can choose from the ones that they'll just go to another one that's easier. So it's really like just being smart, like what they say, like around the holidays, don't have things in your vehicle. Don't be, don't leave packages in your car. And then just being smart about where you're parking your vehicle and what you're doing with it. Um, because yeah, the, the thieves are looking for what's easy and what they can get away with. And like, it's like that old adage, like gone in 60 seconds, how quickly can they get in and out of your car? And they can get it pretty quickly and be gone. And they're brazen. They'll do it in daylight. <laughs> 
they don't even care if they're filmed anymore. It's they just no. Like, they're so brazen because they know they're long gone, and it's pretty hard to catch them. By the right? time they catch the um, vehicle, it's in overseas. <laughs> it's on a boat somewhere. Yeah, you know, it's funny, Matt. You inter- you talked about the club because I was thinking about this. I had a club when I lived in Manitoba, and I got rid of it last year or two years ago. I thought, well, I'm not going to use this. Why would I ever use this? And now I'm wishing I didn't get rid of it. It's a resurgence. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a resurgence. Um, Matt, I want to talk about how prices are going to go up next year. Obviously, this is going to be a continuing factor. But it was interesting, you mentioned auto insurance fraud and high claim costs as well. Tell us about that, especially the insurance fraud, because I thought that was interesting. Yeah, the insurance fraud has really been a billion dollar issue for years. It just feels like I think we're paying more attention to it now because we're seeing the prices just rise so consistently across the board. But, you know, we I think we, we've met and talked about this previously. It, it, examples of auto insurance fraud are, are stage accidents or repair companies inflating the cost of repairs. And there are things that like the average Canadian might not even realize is happening to them. And they may still get the coverage in return. You know what I mean? They, their car could still be repaired. They don't feel like they've been a victim, but they really are. And the problem is the thefts or the thieves or the committers of fraud might feel like it's a victimless crime. Like, oh, the person's still getting the coverage, but really it's impacting everybody because now the insurance companies are paying out billions of dollars in fraud every year. And then once again, it's going to be how do they recoup the money they've spent? And that comes back in, in price increases to all of us. Matt, I want to get your thought on um, this, that that Alberta and Ontario have announced legislative changes to combat the ongoing sort of inflation of auto insurance premiums. So it looks like Alberta will qualify for rate increase cap. Ontario drivers will be given the option to opt out of current mandatory coverage. Can you explain these? Yeah. The Alberta one was interesting because it kind of came out of nowhere. I, I just remember like, I was like, holy, this is actually kind of very interesting. And when they're saying rate caps, so what, what's been going on in Alberta? And it's happened previously. So a number of years ago when the NDP were in charge, they put a full on rate cap as in like the market was hard. It was capped. This happened for a number of years and it actually hurt the Alberta market because it made insurance companies not want to operate there. They they couldn't appropriately adjust their pricing with data to, to reflect the risk of the current market. Last year, the government came in and said, we're just going to freeze rates. This isn't permanent. This is just because everybody's experiencing unprecedented levels of inflation. It's hurting our cost of living. Let's just put a cap for the rest of the year on, on price increases. That's coming off as of January 1st. What they're doing now is they're capping the amount that the insurance companies can increase to good drivers. It's a very arbitrary statement. And it kind of wasn't really well received because it was like, oh, you're going to help these people, which in my opinion, the system really isn't fair to good drivers. Uh, a lot of us, we, we spread the risk, right? So even though I will pay less than a, a person who has a bad driving record, I still probably pay more for insurance than I should if I had a clean driving record and no track record of accidents or you know tickets. It's, the system really isn't set up that well. But what Alberta is doing is trying to say, okay, well, we know you're going to increase rates, but you can only increase it this much for good drivers. Everybody else kind of, we'll see what's been approved. And they're also doing things like before where an insurance company could say, I need you to pay up front. They're getting rid of that. They're, they're going to say, you have to offer monthly payments. You, you can't just demand that somebody pays $3,000 up front for auto insurance because who has $3,000 laying around? Like they're trying to figure out ways to make it more affordable and, and give the consumer a little bit of power. But we will see the prices increase in Alberta next year because they've just been delayed, right? So the ones that were scheduled to happen last year or that people have opted in for are going to happen next year. The question is to what degree? The government said they're going to be very strict on what they're doing. They've also mentioned that if they think that insurance company is making too much money, they may go back to that insurance company and force them to share the profits with their with their consumers or decrease you know, rates, I'll believe it when I see it. It seems like a very far-fetched idea, but I think they're trying to think outside the box. Ontario, 
took a different approach that if you talk to anybody in the industry, we all thought it was a really dumb idea. And the reason being is that it feels like they're, they're saying, hey, we're giving Canadians choice. We're giving them the freedom of choice to opt out of coverage that we don't think they need when that doesn't make any sense. Because all you're doing is creating a, a product that's already confusing and then trying to confuse Canadians more and that the people that opt out of it. So it's called DCPD, uh, direct compensation for property damage. And this is what protects you if you're involved in a not at fault accident. So, or incident. So something happens, you're hit, you're, you're, you know, you're in the vehicle. Basically with the idea of our no fault system is that you just get covered right away. Your insurance company goes, cool, you're not at fault. We'll take care of everything. We'll get you back on your feet as quickly as possible. If you opt out of DCPD, you have no coverage. So if you get hit, even if it's not your fault, you're getting nothing in return. It's out of your pocket. And because you're opting out of DCPD, you can't even get collision insurance. So then you can't even pay to have collision insurance so that if you cause and you're at at fault in an incident. So then at the end of the day, you're really taking a big gamble going, okay, if there's anything that happens to the car while I'm operating it, whether I'm at fault or not, I have no form of coverage. Ooh, it's a dangerous game to play. I, I have to agree because a lot of people are, are going to get tempted. They're going to say, yeah, you know what? I'm going to save money. And then they're going to, it's going to happen. And then there's going to be a lot of tears and someone's going to get blamed for a decision that they made. Sometimes you got to make decisions in the best interest of people to protect themselves. hundred percent. And that's what literally like our brokerage is taking that approach that we're really going to push that this isn't something we want to do. We don't really want to advertise it. If somebody really wants it, you know, there will be a form they have to sign. And they will say, I am opting out. Like, but I can just see that there are going to be people that opt out of it. An incident's going to happen and they're going to come back to the insurance company and they're like, I don't understand why I'm not covered. And I feel like that's the biggest risk and no one's going to realize what they're doing. Yeah, that's that's the scary part about it. And it's really not, it's not that much savings. At the end of the day, it's not going to be that much and it's not worth the risk. So I, I just, we're really trying to educate the market and say, that we, we know this sounds like a nice shiny idea and that this could say it's really not worth the risk, especially for the average consumer. There could be the odd vehicle that's not really worth anything. And then they weren't going to get collision insurance anyways. And they go, you know what? I'm going to opt out of DCPD because if the car is involved in an accident, I don't care. And then for that one small group of people, that's fine. But for the average Canadian, it's not really a viable option in my opinion. Well, and then what happens if you are hurt? as well, right? There's, there's that to, con- well, that, you, yeah. you would still have your accident benefits and, and stuff, but it's, it's all, to me, it's all still a little bit murky how this is going to play out. And I'm curious to see, once again, I feel like it was a short-sighted idea and it really doesn't, it doesn't solve the, the, the greater issues that we've been talking about with the insurance landscape and the idea of the risk spreading and then just, you know, combating inflation in the market. This isn't really doing it. This is a very short-sighted, you know, opportunity to go, oh, what can we do to help Canadians save money? We'll give them more choice. Sounds great. But choice is dangerous, (laughs) especially when you don't know. Yeah. It can be. Yeah. So viewers, listeners, you're uh, forewarned. (laughs) I mean, definitely have a conversation with your broker before and really go through the pros pros and cons. To me, there are no pros. I mean, I don't think the savings are a pro. I think it's too much of a risk, but that's just me. I think so. I think so as well, Matt. I agree with you on that one. One of the trends that you did talk about in in your report was um, how shopping for insurance online is going to grow in popularity. And I think that's important as well. I'm hoping that it does give people choice because like you said, not all insurance agencies rate you the same. And obviously there's fluctuations in price. Well, and I think it's just the idea of brick and mortar insurance. Like when we talk about just going to see an agent in person, I'm not saying it's going the way of the dodo, but it's definitely less. And the 
the availability of brokers in person is nowhere near the scale it was in the 90s and in the early 2000s. Insurance is going digital. Insurance companies are going digital. They're developing direct brands versus brokers. Brokers are going online more. It's just a way with engaging with consumers. People want people want freedom of choice and they want flexibility and ease of use. And if you're not online, you're not really giving yourself a chance to get in front of the consumer. So the ability for a, a customer to shop online and compare the market with ease is what really what we're trending towards, and especially with what I say, like demographics changing over in age groups, people are growing up with technology are expecting that that's the type of experience they want. Um, so as we see these shifting dynamics, I think in the insurance landscape, and I would say Canada really is just still lagging behind. If you look at the rest of the world, places like the UK and, and America are already more digitally savvy than we are. We're catching up. Um, there's still a long ways to go, but I definitely, if you look at when we got on this journey about seven years ago, the amount of companies or brokers or other websites similar to ours that are online is significantly growing and it's much more competitive digital landscape today than it ever was. So in theory, Canadians have more choice than ever to go online. Yeah. And, and that's a good thing, giving them that choice. Matt, we've uh, we've come to the end of the show. Now, before I let you go, uh, you don't know about this, but I always ask my guests three rapid fire questions. Okay. <laughs> okay. So um, they're pretty easy. <laughs> so you're ready for this? I will see. I'll see. Okay. Okay. Matt, what is the best financial advice you've received? The best financial advice? It's tricky because like, given the current landscape today, but had I listened, I'd be in a much better financial state, which was cryptocurrency. I had a lot of early adopters as friends into Bitcoin. Could have been in, like they were, I'm talking about sub $1,000. And I just, my naivety and inexperience when it came to like self-directed investing and then even the crypto market just made me apprehensive. Eventually I did get in it and I made a little bit of profit, but I look back on like, if I had just listened and trusted, I could have been in a much better financial state when it comes to what I would call building my retirement or my portfolio. On the flip side, I would also call it some of my worst advice because when I did get into something yes, like- I was going to ask you. I, I assume that was the next thing. Uh, like Ethereum, I waited too long and I bought it at the highest part. And ever, ever since then, I've just been taking a loss. So, I mean, it just shows predicting the market is very difficult and figuring out how to get in it. And it's not easy to take advice because you get one win and then you get one loss and it makes you a little gun shy. So for me, it's really just been learning what is my comfort level. And over time, I've become a little bit more comfortable and I've been slowly growing my portfolio. Could it be better? 100%. But am I willing to take that risk? Not at this moment. You know, Matt, I, I mean, I teach you know, financial courses, um, particularly to women. And it's one of the things that I talk about is really investing is about risk management, because you can't predict the markets, right? So if you can just put in systems or measures in place, then you get much further ahead. Okay, last question. What is the biggest mistake you see people make with their insurance? I mean, I think the first and foremost, which is our message that we sell everybody is just not shopping around. I think people just get it. They set it and forget it. They're complacent with it. They don't even understand what it is. Maybe they don't check in on it regularly. I know I was really bad at that for a number of years. I would just let my policy auto renew. I never even thought about whether I was getting a good deal or not. Turns out I was for a long time. And as I got more involved in insurance, I definitely, with my role at Rate Hub, I definitely paid more attention. And it was just something as, hey, I'm preaching this. I better live by it. And even this year, I switched my insurer because the price increase was just so so high that I couldn't believe it. And I shopped around and I found a bunch of different options that were better. And in fact, I actually got insurance to my own brokerage, RH Insurance. So it was just, it was great to see that that advice actually, I felt at first hand that there are better options out there if you shop around. So I think that's the one thing is that people just don't take the time annually. And 
it really doesn't take that much effort to shop around, speak with a broker and get a little advice. And then at the end of the day, if you want to stay with your insurer, at least you know what you're leaving the table and you can't have that, oh, I pay too much. Well, you chose to pay too much. I agree. Shop around, right? Because um, I tell you, when I bought this home, I had to do the shopping comparison for home insurance. And I was I was surprised at the difference. Um, it was sometimes a couple of hundred bucks. So yeah, especially if you're moving. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Matt, um, really appreciate your insights today. Thank you so much for coming on. MattHansRateHub.ca. Well, that wraps up this show. Now, every week I cover topics that affect your financial health, everything from investing tips to estate planning to tax planning and so much more. So if you want unbiased, actionable tips, be sure to subscribe to Strictly Money on YouTube as well as Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I'll see you back here next week. Until then, stay well, stay wise and stay wealthy.